0: To Estradiol Illusions. Like many of you, I assumed just because you're listening to a podcast uh, hosted by a film critic and a film aficionado, uh, like many of us, my childhood was composed of a lot of time spent seeing movies and also going, you know, back in the day before you could just uh, pick up a uh, remote and have a lot of uh, different options on your fingertips, you had to actually go out and, and get that. And I think uh for for a lot of us we we miss sort of the the curation and the the process and the uh journey of of not only seeing films but uh just just all of all of the stuff that came along with that going to see movies going to rent movies and uh I'm absolutely delighted today to welcome the manager of a store that it means meant just so much to me growing up, and uh, I, I've followed the the story of of the very final, the last blockbuster open in the entire world. We have a curator of uh, the the final institution of many of our a place that so many of us revered as children. We have the manager of the last blockbuster, Sandy Harding, here with us, and we have the director and writer of a new documentary all about it that I can't recommend enough, and I know listeners who are into nostalgia and retro stuff and all of that will uh, just absolutely, this movie is just made for people who love film. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce uh, Zeke Taylor Morden, and Sandy Harding. Do you guys want to tell us a little about yourself? Uh, Sandy, do you want to go first?
1: Sure. Sure, I can start first um so i'm sandy harding i'm the general manager here at the last blockbuster in the world um i've been with blockbuster for 16 years so i've managed to get to see the the height of the whole uh blockbuster adventure all the way down to our very last one so thank you for having me on your program
0: thank you and Zeke. uh yeah i'm the
2: producer and writer of the last blockbuster it's uh it's been a Many years of working on it, and so many things have changed along the way. uh, It was a very interesting experience uh, coming from uh, over a 20-year career working on uh, TV shows and movies in Hollywood. uh, To be able to slow down and work with real people has been a a huge delight. Hello? Uh, There
3: we go. Taylor What happened? What happened?
1: (laughs) It's the wonderful world of Zoom, right?
3: Yeah, it's the future. Taylor, do you
1: want to tell us a little bit about yourself?
3: Sure thing. Uh, My name is Taylor Morden. I'm an independent filmmaker. Uh, When I was 19 years old, I applied to work at Blockbuster Video and did not get the job, and I'm not bitter about it at all.
1: (laughs) I'm sorry, Taylor.
0: would you have would you have hired uh, Taylor sandy having worked 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 with him for so long?
1: You know, if he showed up in his back to the future gear, I probably would.
0: <laughs>
2: well, you know he I would show up that. in it.
1: <laughs> I definitely do
0: so um. I want to start off with a more general question. Uh, well, you know, let's let's start with let's start. I, I have two kind of uh, or, origin questions. Well, let let's start with uh, Sandy. How did you get involved with the world of blockbuster? You've been the manager there for fifteen years now.
1: Sixteen, actually. Yeah. 15. No, um, you know, I had worked for another company for ten years that had closed up here in town. Um, and I was enjoying my summer with my kids. I have three sons. At the time, they were pretty young. And I literally went in and begged my best friend who worked for Ken and Debbie and Blockbuster and said, please give me a part-time job. Get me out of the house before I kill them. Um, I needed a break from my boys. And she started the conversation with, well, you know, we're getting ready to open up a new location and we really need a store manager. And so that's kind of how it all started. And so I, I got the uh, crash course. I, I started in August of And we opened up that location in December. And although I loved movies and my husband had actually worked at a Blockbuster when we were first married, so I knew a little bit about Blockbuster, um, I definitely got a crash course on how to do everything from, you know, customer service rep all the way up to store manager in four months. Um, My introduction to Blockbuster was the Into late fees program, which also um, began that December when we opened up our new location. Um, and then, yeah, it's just been a whirlwind of adventure ever since and lots of up and downs and lots of challenges. But we have been successful all the way through and I'm very proud that we are the final store.
0: Yeah, that's so uh, I have a lot of questions, kind of a uh, blockbuster through the years. But um, as for the film, uh, Taylor and Zeke, do you want to tell us a, a little bit about when you when you first took interest in uh, the in, in blockbuster, as uh, as the film noted, an endangered species. But because um, when when you started when you started filming, there was uh, there were a few more, and it wasn't quite the last block. It was more like the last of the blockbusters.
3: Yeah, well, when we started back in 2017, uh, there were still about a dozen stores left, and we, you know, living in Bend here in Central Oregon. You drive around town and you see this sign that says Blockbuster Video. And I thought, just like all the other signs I had seen in other towns across the country, that it was a store that had closed when they all closed, but they left the sign up, you know, because it's cheaper to leave it up than to take it down. Um, But after driving by it several times, I finally decided to poke my head in and see if it was really a Blockbuster Video. And when you walk in the door, you know, it it smells the same and it feels the same and they still had all the brand new movies, you know, 2017, it was like whatever the newest Marvel movie or the newest star Wars movie was Um, Sharknado uh, and yeah, Sharknado (laughs) three or four at the time. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, walking through there and I didn't know that there were 12 left. I didn't know, you know, if I had found a magical portal into another time or what, but it seemed like there was probably a story there. So we just started. Well, first we asked Sandy if we could start bringing cameras over. And then, you know, four years later, here we are. At
2: the time, there was a Radio Shack across the street. So it kind of was a, <laughs> yes. a portal into another
3: time. <laughs> was.
1: Yes, I desperately missed that Radio Shack and being able to go on there and get my tapes from my computer systems. Oh, man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, the, the, the. Technology of of uh, bl- the the last blockbuster still uses the uh, old old uh, uh, computer systems that are, are would have been put in place uh, you know over ten years ago, and that just seeing all the technical as a big uh, as a big retro gamer, and we we do a lot of retro gaming uh, episodes. Uh, I. Just I, I was looking there, like, oh my God, I, I would just love to get my hand on that that tech. But I imagine you probably have a different perspective, having to really go in there and <laughs> with the with the dust and uh, go through and try to get that system all up and running again.
1: Oh, absolutely. Last week I had to put in a new um, system. One of my computers had crashed and. You know, I had to get through five different floppy disks before I found the one that would actually put the program I needed on the computer. But yeah, no, these computers are actually patented in 1992. Um, They are IBM computers, and it is very fun when something breaks and you have to try to figure out how to fix it. Um, There's not a lot of IBM technicians out there in the world anymore. Um, We did have uh, a generous um, local customer who actually used to work for IBM years ago, and he, over the summer during COVID, cleaned out his garage found a bunch of parts and pieces for some old systems and came in and gave them to me. And in fact, they will work on my computer. So it's kind of a uh, great timing for us um, might help us keep open a little longer.
0: So I, I want to touch on something that, that Taylor just mentioned, and it, it's something you see in the, in the documentary a lot, because I imagine, you know, the, the appeal behind uh, the film is the, the, the fact that there's, there's so much, Uh, nostalgia involved with blockbuster all of us uh, pretty much i I would assume everybody watching has has fond memories of blockbuster but you see the footage i mean you you're a you're a blockbuster that that's not just like you know holding out as as a as a relic of the past but i mean you you have all the new releases you are a blockbuster in the present and uh i i I guess like for for me it's just so interesting to see like the the dichotomy of the people who essentially go on pilgrimages um, to, to visit your store. And then the fact that, yeah, you're, you're a store and you have customers who, who come to you for the new releases and stuff.
1: Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, COVID has definitely thrown another challenge in there for us because as we're all aware with the movie theaters closed, there's not a, a lot of new releases being released right now. Um, and so we are, are a bit challenged as far as having, um, quality product on the, on the shelf with the exception of course of last blockbuster movie. Um, but, but, no, uh, we are definitely a working blockbuster. We go out every week and purchase the things we need. Um, you know, we were filling shelves this morning with our sweatpants and, and all of our swag and, um, yeah no we are absolutely a working store
0: how much of um i, I guess uh, another dynamic that was uh you know w- when when blockbuster came in and the film the film does such a fabulous job of uh explaining the history of the video rental industry from the days when i mean people think uh, new blu-rays are expensive now i mean a old v h s tape would cost like ninety nine dollars and that was kind of and 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 that was something the studio a uh, price tag thought was kind of more of a low ball i mean imagine imagine how expensive that would have been, but um blockbuster was able to to take over such a large market share because you had so many new releases that uh blockbuster had more new releases than everybody else the mom and pop stores couldn't afford all those uh copies and um do do do, do your customers tend to gravitate more toward the the new releases or is it more of a you know i'm thinking of like especially during the pandemic i i imagine that a lot of the comfort food choices would probably be popular
1: yeah you know that definitely people come in looking for those feel-good movies the ones that they've seen a lot that you know especially the old 80s comedies and different things like that but what we really noticed um That people do, they come in every Friday and Saturday looking for the new releases. And right now with the pandemic and there's not a lot coming out, we get a lot of people coming in and commenting, you know, they're looking for something that's not on their streaming service. And, you know, I was talking to somebody about this in another um, chat that you know, the problem with streaming services now is that there are so many of them out there that you really do have to have several on your home device or else you can't find every movie. I mean, when Netflix first came out there, they had a lot of content on there. Well, now you've got Disney plus and you have, you know, HBO and you have, um, Apple and Amazon and everybody else who has all their own systems and they all have their different content. So unless you have three or four different program or, um, I guess channels, I don't know what you want to call them, but streaming services, um, you really can't find everything and you can still come in here and find those movies. And I think that people really appreciate that. Um, And, you know, it's a safe, safe area for people to come in and look for a movie and get out of their house for a little while and not have to worry, you know, for a few minutes anyway.
0: Is is that what um, drew you, uh, Zeke and Taylor, to the the film? The the kind of I I think a lot like like blockbuster is obviously uh, important as a as a place to get especially those those hard to find films. But it's also it's also the, the the there's a ceremony involved in it.
2: I mean, we who doesn't in, unless you're below a certain age, who doesn't have all these amazing memories of just slowly strolling down those aisles, looking at all the potentially amazing films, even if the one you picked was a dud, uh, the walking the aisles, but until you watched it, every movie is an Oscar winner.
3: Yeah. 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 That's a good point. And the, the interaction too is such a big part of it. At least for us, like knowing that you can go someplace and you know it's blockbuster in the year twenty twenty. So the people in there probably love movies. Like you gotta really care if you're gonna make the trip and drive out of your house to go get a movie that you might be able to get on a streaming service. so it's it's a different kind of person in there too. So not only does it have the memories, but like, uh, for example, Jared, who's in our movie, who is in there renting movies all the time, we wouldn't He's probably in there right now. This movie, right? <laughs> but those kinds of people bro- you don't run into, you know, at the grocery store. They're at Blockbuster. Yeah,
0: right. Uh, I, I'm a huge uh, comic book fan. I, I, internally, I, I, like, I know the feeling. I get ex- especially in COVID, probably more. So, like it, it's, it's caused you to, uh, it caused me at least to re- reflect a lot on, on sort of how, how important these things are to me. Like the idea that I, like, you know, you go in there on a Wednesday and uh, at my comic book shop, the uh, owner knows my name. I have my little bo- I have my box with my stuff and they get it. And that, that means a lot to It's It's hard to explain to like some people that are just like, oh, why can't you just get this online? And it's like, well, wh- why do you hate humanity so much? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Every exactly. week it was a treasure hunt, you know? Yeah. You walk in there and you never know what you're going to find. Or who are you
3: going to run into? Yeah, and the movies meant more because you had to work to get them. You know, like, I remember spending the better part of a day, you know, looking for soda cans to return to get the nickels to take down to the place so that I would have enough money to rent the movie and then walk home and then it wasn't rewound and then you had to rewind it and then you watched it and it's like a movie was a whole day's worth of experiences and now it's, You just point and click, and if it's not good in the first five minutes, you turn it off, and that's it. Before, like, you were invested. You would watch all of a bad movie because you had spent so much time getting it. Exactly. (laughs)
1: Well, and I think you get the family connection, too. I mean, right now, everybody's got their noses in their phone, and that's something that we didn't have – you know, when the heydays of Blockbuster, you went down as a family and you may pick two or three movies and everybody got together and watched that movie. Um, Now, you know, everybody's going to be in a different room. Everybody's doing it on their phone or whatever. Everybody's really distracted. And I think people are really missing that. We have a lot of families that come back in now and and set up accounts and and rent things with their kids. and, And this is their outing. This is their family time together to come and do that. And it's kind of refreshing to see that all over again.
0: Do you find Sandy that you're on like pretty much a first name basis with with all of your customers, or well, I, I was about to say all your regulars, but that would answer its own question.
1: Um, absolutely, there's a lot of regulars. If I'm not on a first name basis with them, you know the other employees here are too. There's a lot of people that come in in the evening, and every once in a while it'll be kind of funny because I'll, I'll close or or work late, and people are like, "Are you new?" And It's like, "Nope, I work during the day," because they're missing <laughs> that regular person that's not there at the moment. So.
0: Yeah, I, I I think that's just so important. Like I, I interact, like I as with the pandemic, I, I the the just simple interactions like that. Like there will be days where I'll be just in a bad mood and I'll go into uh, my local record store or my local comic book store, and I just I feel better. And sometimes like the owner can can tell if I'm a, a little a little annoyed, and they'll say like. I, I feel like people in your positions are often like kind of also fulfilling the the unofficial role of, of therapists and a lot of like you 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 have great power to to sway people's moods i guess
1: no absolutely and <laughs> it's kind of fun i mean there are customers that will come in and spend a very long time in the store and they definitely have their their employees that they like the most that they'll go and and track down and, and spend a lot of time talking with and discussing movies and and you can just tell that it makes them feel good we we have a lot of people that maybe that might be their only interaction for the day. Um, You know, they go home now and they're, you know, they live alone. So everybody's really isolated with COVID and, and this might be their one outing. So it is a really special thing. And I've talked several times about how, um, you know, not very many people get to have the luxury of working somewhere where everyone that walks in the door has a smile on their face. And we get that, you know, we have from our local customers to the tourist that's coming through, everybody comes in wanting to be here and enjoying themselves. And that's just a really good feeling. No, we can do that.
2: Yeah. It's not a laundromat. No. There's no <laughs> chores. It's just fun.
1: <laughs> and it's not the dreaded grocery store where you have to, you know, stand in line forever. It's six feet apart. So, yeah. So
0: I, I, one of the, so when, one of my favorite memories of Blockbuster and even, even when I go home, I'm from originally from the East coast and I live in uh, Southern California, I, loved loved, love and i was so excited in the film that i saw that you still had a section of i would i loved i loved buying the clearance movies like when i was younger it would have been uh, i think it was like four for 20 sometimes if you're lucky it was five for 20 yep. and when when i would go on uh car trips for for water polo tournaments or going up to visit uh, canada i would always before that i'd go there and i'd get a bunch of films and actually i have a connection to one of the uh, stars one of the uh, guests in your film I got my copy of an old film called Super High Me I got it from the clearance section of Blockbuster and I see Doug Benson and I was like holy holy shit I was like this film is talking to me <laughs>
1: that is funny and you know what though there's a lot of people that's what zeke had commented on earlier that people come in here and have those experiences when they see the movies on the shelves but yes we still have the clearance movies we actually have vhs in here which um, people donate and send them to us from all over the place um, and people love coming in here and buying old vhs tapes and it cracks me up because i first started putting them out thinking no one's ever going to want to buy one of these maybe just for nostalgia but we have a lot of people who come in here and buy VHS tapes. Uh, and then the clearance, you know, two ninety-nine movies that are, you know, five for five for 10 or whatever that they want to take on a road trip. And it doesn't matter if it's, you know, a B horror movie, they're going to take it and watch it anyway. So it's, uh, it's kind of fun, but I've done that a lot too. Well,
0: I, I'm glad you mentioned B horror movies because, uh, you know, back I, I was in college, I got into college. Uh, I think I started in 2009. Uh, and we would, uh, you know, back back in the day when 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 getting people together to watch a movie was important because it wasn't something that they could necessarily just go and do on their own computers. You know, if, if somebody had a movie, that was typically the place where you went and got that, where you could get that movie. And another one that I gotten from Blockbuster was it was a direct to. I, it, I think it might have premiered first on the Sci Fi Channel, but it was Anaconda three. Uh, which was distinctly, distinctly lower budget than uh, the the first two, and we were, and it had John Rhys Davis from Lord of the Rings, Gimli, and it was just like the worst movie we'd ever watched, <laughs> and uh, it, it, it brought me so much joy. I still, I, I, I love it. It's it's hard to get people nowadays to want to like sit and talk, like my partner gets mad at me if I try to pull that crap, but um. <laughs> I mean that stuff I mean it's it's important and the beam I I feel like blockbuster was really a a great bastion for the B movie.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. In fact, Dan and I were just talking about that this weekend. Um he's the store manager here with me and um we were watching um a bunch of like grave encounters and some of the and Hell House and some of the really bad. He came by my house to to drop off our brand new keys that we just had put into the um, store after 30 years. We actually finally replaced the front door lock. Uh, but anyway, he came by my house and I was watching a, a B horror movie called uh, Hell House that was super funny. But he was laughing that he had just watched it too. And anyway, I love the B horror movies, and we definitely have a lot of those. So, so also- what dynamic?
3: Oh go ahead. Oh uh, I just I also loved a thing about Blockbuster and video stores in general is that they would have those straight to video movies that I don't know if they were trying to trick people or what but like next to Transformers it would be Transmorphers and the cover would yes! look almost yes exactly Island. the same. Yeah, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And they would they would just like make their money filling up rental shelves and tricking people into accidentally renting the wrong movie. I love that concept.
1: There's no tricking involved. It's just, a of <laughs> the, the other one is checked out. Um, <laughs> we sure. We have some, a lot of great uh, straight to video. And I remember when Blockbuster did their own um, exclusive content and I always laugh because they'll have like, you know, Owen Wilson on the cover or they'll have, you know, Christian Bale on the cover and, You'll think, oh my gosh, this must be a really good movie because it's got them in it, and they might be in there for like five minutes, and um, <laughs> or it's a cameo of some kind.
0: Yeah, yeah that 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 occasionally for when when I get pitched uh, guests to have they'll they'll have like the credit list and they'll lead with one of those people, and then I'll request like that person. And then they'll say, well, they were only in the movie for five minutes. Why don't you have the director instead? And it's like, well, you tricked me. Yep. <laughs> I, um, one, w- w- uh, I'm looking at my, my shelf. I have a DVD for, it's not snakes on a plane. It's snakes on a train. And actually, I think, I, I think, I, I think that's actually better to be honest. Um, that's
1: great. Those are the best movies though. Cause you go into them with no expectations And then you're pleasantly surprised when you actually see a little bit of good acting. So there's nothing wrong with those movies.
0: Uh, Exactly. And I mean, so to cinephiles and film aficionados often get this, this uh, reputation for being, uh, snobs or, or too obsessed with highbrow. And I'm like, no, I, c- 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 please send me your garbage. I want to like, I, I like film, film is, f- film, film is, is it's supposed to uh, inspire emotion. And if, if you're like laughing saying like, this is terrible, I, you know, th- th- that's in my, that can be a really great 90 minutes. Well, spent.
2: back when that those eight months when movie pass was alive, Taylor and I, we would every we had a group of friends and we would all just text each other. I'm going to go see this horrible movie in the theater. Let's go! Wow. It was great.
1: Yeah. No. Um. Tommy Wiseau. Oh my god! Oh yeah. right. Um. Yes. I love yes. the room and disaster artist and I actually have a good friend of ours that um has done a lot of stuff with greg and they just did a best friends too and he's in it and it was hilarious we had to watch them not just because he was in it but because they are so bad that you just (laughs) find yourself laughing all the way through the movies and enjoying yourself for exactly what cinema is supposed to be right what movies are supposed to be all about enjoying yourself
0: yeah, I I was one of the few critics who who uh, reviewed. Uh, I think it's actually so it's best friends, but they put the R in in parentheses, so it's it's supposed to be I think pronounced best fiends or I, yeah. It's one of those things that I have. I, don't know, I, I thought the first one was was pretty marvelous, uh, and it, it was that's an odd choice uh, that they would that they would do that. I yeah, I mean I I, I think that's important uh, as a film critic too. One of the most frustrating things, people will come to me and they'll say, and they've been doing this for years, they'll say, you know, recommend me a movie, please, and then I'll give them, like, a great recommendation. And then the next sentence is, is it on Netflix? And I know that that's, like, code for, if like, if it's not the easiest thing I can get, I'm not going to watch it. And, that, like, now when I start hearing that, I almost, like like, shift into a, like stance where it's like no it's not on netflix and by the way like go and find it like if you want to reckon if if you want to just mind if you want to like essentially do the streaming version of doom you know doom scrolling when you're just looking into the void of twitter um like some people there if they want to sit down and watch a show their idea of watching a show will be scrolling for 20 minutes to watch something and then they'll have fallen asleep by then (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's it's tragic. Um, so I want to go back to uh, the sort of there's a fun dynamic that you explore in the film where you point out you, you go to the history of of the vi, of uh, video rental and and you point out kind of an interesting dynamic where the mom and pop stores were essentially wiped out by Blockbuster and in in in, in some views like Blockbuster is kind of like the antagonist in, in that kind of relationship. Um. I mean, it's it's
2: just a fact. It's not... True, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're all... Blockbuster lost. They're, they're out of business. Um, there's still a few... There's a video store in m- many of the major cities. They're not... It's not a Blockbuster, but it's a video store. Um, I went to Portland a couple weeks ago and drove past a video store that had a full parking lot. So uh, they won in the end, you know?
3: Right. Yeah. All the ones that are left are mom and pop video stores because they're the only ones that had the drive and the, you know, out of the box thinking and different ways to stay afloat. I mean, it is, it is interesting. We did think going in that more people would take that angle and be mad at Blockbuster for shutting down the local, Mom and pop store, but everyone we talked to just had such fond memories that it really didn't come up that much.
1: Most yeah, people exactly were just not,
3: like, "Yeah,
1: yeah." Not lost on us that you know we started out as the mom and pop video store here in town and franchised to Blockbuster, and then here we are. We're left as you know a lone Blockbuster, but we are still the mom and pop, and that's kind of I think why. I mean, why we survived a lot of it was because we never tried to be that big corporate store. We always operated as mom and pop. We always focused on local, focused on our community, focused on our stores. And yes, we had the the big name, but that was all we had. That really was blockbuster. And
2: it feels like a mom and pop when you walk in there. There's a there's a jar with dog biscuits in it. So you can Aww. and you can bring your dog in. Um, I. Uh, I recorded 20, 26 episodes of a podcast from Inside Blockbuster uh with Jared who's in our movie and so I was there pretty much every week for a few hours and it's the same faces coming in and it wasn't just old people it was young people, couples, families and you know no one was ever rushed out of the store. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's uh it just feels like your friends are letting you come over and borrow their movies
0: yeah i, I that came across a lot on the phone. and you you point out that you've uh sandy essentially employed pretty much all the kids in in bend Oregon, which is i mean that that <laughs> that, that that's that's an important detail like you're you're you are a, you know you're a service people come in and, and rent movies but like it's a, it's a pillar of a community. And, and that, that really does kind of hit on the, the mom and pop nature, the, the fact that, that you and your employees, uh, you're invested in the community.
1: Yeah, we are. And, you know, and kid and W two, um, you know, it's really important when we started all of our online sales, for example, you know, all of our merchandise is made or you know, we either make it or get it through a event company, um, which was really important to us to continue that local thing and not, you know, get so big for our own britches kind of, you know, and, and forget about why we're here and why we lasted all of these years. It's not the, you know, all the publicity and the tourists, it's the local customers that have come in and supported us. So we wanted to make sure that we never lost that focus um, on our community, but yeah, this is my family and these employees, these customers, you know, I talk a lot about it, but they really are, we're a family here. And I, I, as far as me, um, you know, employing most of the kids in in central Oregon, Ben has grown exponentially. I can't say the word exponentially. I can't say it Um, since I started working here. So I definitely um, there's a lot more teenagers out there that I haven't employed, you know, employed as of late, but um, I definitely have a lot of uh, fond memories of, you know, a lot of first time jobs. And, I, you know, it's funny when we started to become the last one, that was the most phone calls I was getting or emails were from former employees who were telling me, hey, I worked in Florida or I worked in Michigan or, you know, I had somebody come here for that had worked in a, a blockbuster in Spain. And it's like, you know, that was my first job and I loved it. And there's something special about being able to give that to, you know, a 16 year old kid and have them enjoy it and remember it for the rest of their lives.
0: How much of your business is um, based on, on recommendations that, that you've given to the customer versus customers kind of coming in, deciding for themselves?
1: Um, I would say probably, you know, 60% of it. it you know, There are those customers who come in and they have their long list of movies that they've seen in the previews of a previous movie, you know, and they, they come in looking for that specific thing, but there is a lot of movie recommendations and, Um, there's customers, like I was, I was saying earlier that have those employees that they love that, you know, they know that that, that employee watches the same kind of movies that they do like, or they've recommended things in the past. So we definitely get that on a daily basis where people come in wanting, um, those movie recommendations. And that's just part of the fun of working here. I mean, where else can you go and you just talk about movies all day?
0: Yeah. I think the, 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 on a, on a broader scale, the, the, we're living in an era where like there's there's more there's more streaming content. Like when people ask me my Emmy's recommend like Emmy's predictions, I'm like I don't even like what, it. It doesn't even like seem fair because there's like five five over five hundred new scripted shows coming out each year. No no single person has seen them all, and like it's impossible. Like whoever's nominated, like it is, it is quite literally a popularity contest. But but in terms of of, of listeners, I mean uh, uh, viewers, uh, people who who want to sit down and watch something. We're we're living in an era where curation is a is an intense problem for the film. I actually
2: think it's one of the highest values of walking into that store here in Bend.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean people people want to. I, I just like I said it I said it before, but like I just I don't understand why people are just so quick to to get rid of the human factor in in, in all of this because it's 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 really the in a lot of ways the most reliable thing.
1: Yeah. And I think we're going to find, especially after COVID, when things start to kind of relax, hopefully um, sooner than later, um, when things kind of settle back down again, that you're going to find people are really going to have missed that interaction. And I think people are going to be going out wanting it. They're going to want to go to the theater again. They're going to want to go to a video store. They're going to want to be able to you know, go to a concert or get out and enjoy each other's company. And I think that for the longest, you know, for the last 10, 15 years that we've had all the streaming services and, and those things going on, that people definitely, I guess it hasn't been 15 years, has it? I guess it's only been 5, 10 years. Um, but anyway, I think people really have started to miss out on those things. And, and with COVID, it's just really um, drawn a lot of attention to that.
0: So I have another uh, question about the, the making of the documentary, because like I, I know that a lot of documentaries are are, are filmed kind of over uh, long periods of time, years even. Um, did the narrative kind of change as? Because you've only been the last blockbuster for uh, about a year, close to a year. The other ones closed in uh, 2019. Uh, can you talk about kind of how 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 the the how, how reality was was really kind of shaping uh, the the ways your narrative turned?
2: Well, when. Taylor came to my house to watch a movie, uh, Woodsman in the Rain, which we didn't end up watching, but is one of my favorite <laughs> movies. Um, uh, he said, he, he basically bamboozled me because I'm about to start the movie and he says, hey, I want to tell you this, uh, this idea I had. Uh, we have a blockbuster in town and I was like, wait, what? Because <laughs> I didn't know that it was... I thought the same thing he thought, except I hadn't gone in. I just thought it was a sign over an abandoned... I kept saying, why haven't they rented out that space yet? Um, and uh, Taylor had been working... had done a couple interviews with Sandy before that. So he already knew Sandy, and he was telling me about her. And I think the idea for the narrative basically only took a few days, the general idea. And as it was honed down... Uh, The only thing that really changed by the end was people didn't hate corporate blockbuster like we thought they would. So that thread was gone and it went from being one of the last to being the last. And I think that only made it more uh, valuable to the audience. It didn't change our intentions of the narrative at all you know yeah. whenever you watch if you watch a documentary about an olympic potential if that one doesn't win the gold medal it doesn't make the movie any less valid and we just happened to be following the gold medal winner yeah. when <laughs> when all the other ones went went under and for for the majority of the time that we were filming it was or maybe about half the time it was the last one in the united states so we, the film was always going to be called The Last Blockbuster.
3: Yeah. And for a while, we did think we were going to go up to Alaska and film at those stores, but they ended up closing so quickly, like while we were in production, while we were interviewing Alan, the manager of those stores. He tells us, oh, yeah, that one's closing next week. You won't get there in time. You know, that kind of thing was happening to us. So that was the only way it kind of dictated the story. But, you know, real life happens, that's how documentaries work. And that is sort of why you know, people ask us all the time, why it took so long to finish the movie is we were waiting to see what happened, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah. They, something changed every two months.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yes, it did. And it was like, every. I felt like I was constantly calling you guys or texting going, Oh my gosh, I'm yeah. down here. I'm doing this today. Or, Oh my gosh, the Ellen show is going to be here. Or, you know, yeah. it, it just seemed like something was always happening and um, it's still like that. I mean, now we have you know all the stuff with COVID that's going on, or we have um, the Airbnb event that we did, and it's just like something's always going on um, in our store, which is exciting and fun.
0: The Airbnb event gave me just the um, for those listeners uh, not not aware. In uh, August, I think it was, you you did an Airbnb event where uh, it was very '90s uh, retro themed, and you could stay. Inside the store, which I I have to imagine there's millions and millions of kids out there who, who dreamed to do that. That's like yep. a, it's a, night at the made, museum. Yeah. And you made it you made it a reality. That's that's awesome.
1: Yeah. No, it was a, it was a great um, fun event. It was just a weekend. We had a lot of people disappointed um, that they couldn't come because we, you know, we did it just for the Central Oregon Um, families and you know that was a two-part thing one obviously because it's pandemic you can't ask people to travel here nor would we want to have anyone travel here Um, but also it's just a great thank you to our customers who have been so loyal for so many years but it was a ton of fun and you know we had the rollerblades we had everything all that you could have access to all the candy you wanted and you know most of the people that were coming in were you know you know, mid thirties to forties. So after a couple of candy bars, they're like, Oh my gosh, I can't eat anymore. So I didn't get there. <laughs> um, but it was, it was definitely a lot of fun and you would have enjoyed it because we had the, the retro Nintendo game systems and, you know, Mario brothers and Zelda and all kinds of fun stuff. So.
0: Well, actually that's a good, um, that reminds me of a question. So I, one of the things I was just kind of interested in, so so from a from a like nationwide, when when DVDs were first started, um, you know, you would have had a transition period where you had a lot of VHSs that that now your store has a lot of VHSs again because people give them. But um, then there was uh, Blu-ray, and for like a year or so, they were competing with HD DVD. And I I remember kind of from covering it back then that that the chains were. I think they ended up just kind of ultimately siding, siding with uh, Blu-ray. But now we've got, like, the 4K Ultra. I mean, it is, is, is like, and, and, and now, speaking of video games, um, everybody on the face of the planet Earth is trying to battle uh, the algorithms to get a PlayStation 5. Like like I imagine like as as a store manager who's who's been through so many of these different transitions, I know you had PlayStation four games for sale. I mean, is that is that just like all of these like new technology? Is that kind of like daunting or frustrating, or do you find that customers prefer the old older formats?
1: Well, and, you know, I think the biggest challenge that we have because we're back to being that independent, you know, mom and pop is we have to make tough choices. And sometimes, you know, the choices that we make are not necessarily things we want. For example, we don't have video games in the store anymore. And that's just as of recent um, last six months or so, we we just continue doing video games. And and part of the problem is that we just can't, you know, as things are progressing in the video game world you know the games are still costing 60 dollars a pop we don't have the vendors that we used to get them from um, so we're paying full retail for a game and we just can't rent it enough to make it profitable to keep it on the shelf and we had to make some tough decisions with that particular one as far as the 4k it's kind of the same thing where it's you know i remember when blu-ray came out and Blu Ray and hd were battling and and we slowly kind of waited to see what was going to happen we're kind of back in that same wait and see with uh the 4k yes every you know more people have them and i'm imagining for christmas will probably start carrying them um but we haven't dive, dived into it yet they're pretty expensive still and it's just another one of those from uh profitability and a uh, you know i got to keep the store and the doors open i can't just go out and, and frivolously buy all these new things um because I'm not going to be a business very much longer if I do that. So I mean, that's the only thing that that really kind of sucks is that you have to make those tough decisions as an independent. We don't have the big uh-huh. corporate behind us anymore. So,
0: I I mean, I remember growing up, I was uh, we 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 had a, a the the closest blockbuster was in the town next uh, next. I, I guess it was probably like a 25 minute drive, but you'd have to pass like a lot of local stores, so my mom would never want to drive, but. Um, when, when, when things like the, the Game Boy camera, I'm sure a lot of our listeners probably remember, which was like the, the worst technology, somebody actually got zoom earlier in the pandemic running on a Game Boy camera, which I thought was absurd. Uh, <laughs> but like, I just, I just remember thinking like Blockbuster had all those, those, those cool things. And, um, to, to ask another question kind of related to the past, the film does an excellent job. Uh, it, kind of I- explaining the the broader circumstances of of Blockbuster's demise, and uh, the the fiscal crisis, and Lehman Brothers and Bear Stearns going down, and all all of this um, o- over leveraged, basically having too much debt. Um, and I I, I think because we think about we think about um, the way the way that these like big corporations act, and I, I'm also thinking of uh, Quibby in my mind right now, in the sense that a lot of these decisions that, that companies make are kind of done in the interest to try and, and, and steer the uh, pe- uh, steer society in one direction, like like Apple getting rid of the he- headphone jack or stuff like that, which is a huge pain in the ass. But um, you guys do a great job, really, kind of making the case that the pu- the public did not want Blockbuster to go away.
1: Yeah, no, I don't think they did, and I think that they were. Um, You know, I I think it was just a sign of the times with all the streaming services and the and the terrible decisions. I mean, you look at family home video, for example, in the Midwest, they're still up and going. They're still a company. I know that they've definitely had some challenges as of late. And I know they've probably had to close some stores and some different tough decisions like we've had to make. But there is a way to do it. Um, Blockbuster just made a lot of really poor decisions.
0: Um, you know, for, for, for Zeke and Taylor, uh, how, how much of kind of the, cause I, I, I know that with documentaries, there's always hours and hours of footage that you don't get to put into a 90 minute narrative. Like how, how can you talk a bit about like the balance of constructing a narr- Like a, a lot of this is very much Sandy's story. And then a lot of this is also like this, just the story of an American institution and the, the balance of kind of juggling all of that to make a, make a co- cohesive narrative.
2: Well we had a we had a pretty detailed outline before we started. Um I come from a narrative world of TV and and features. So I really wanted to build a you know a three act structure with suspense and all those things. And when we went out looking to discover the story things that you know we basically we decided if this structure works then that's what we'll use if something better comes along or this isn't realistic then we'll change it but it worked and so that's what we handed uh the editor when we started and it it was in there we we had enough hundreds of hours of footage <laughs> that that story was in there
3: yeah and one of the big things like for me from the very beginning was like there is this corporate Blockbuster story that we knew we kind of had to tell to give context to the story of the store. But aside from all that, I like documentaries that are funny and that are fun to watch. And that's kind of why we have more comedians in it than business people. And we leaned harder on like the experience and the feeling of Blockbuster and the fun that came from renting a movie rather than, you know, just a bunch of people in suits saying, well, they should have bought Netflix. That would have been a good idea because you, know, you still get that information, but balancing sort of the fun was always a big deal.
0: Well, I mean, I, I can only speak as a, as a, as a viewer and a, a, a critic seeing, uh, you know, the, the, the comedians that you chose, uh, a lot, a lot of them were in the kind of films that I would get out of like, like Doug Benson. Um, but well, it's Sam, Sammy Levine. I mean, when Hot American Summer is is, I have seen that movie a billion billion times, and just watched the <laughs> Netflix series a, again. And seeing him, I was like, ah, uh, I, I had to pause it. And I'm like, Tara, you know the guy who sits in the uh, that's my partner. I was like, you know the guy who who won't take a shower and is the radio broadcaster. And it's it's kind of hinted that he's not actually even broadcasting to anybody. Uh, <laughs> it's like he's in the movie. I'm like, this is so cool. And like Adam uh, Adam Brody. I mean. I just think about like the the era of blockbuster, and and this is a question I guess Sandy could also speak to as a parent. Like, for me, what was kind of beautiful about about that age of the physical media and having like the box sets of the shows or or going to blockbuster to rent them was, you know, you 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 spend. I, I, I think that a lot of people growing up spent a lot more time with people, not necessarily because they were like the closest friends and they were destined to be friends for life, but just because they were there and that was something to do. <laughs> And now with, like, t- with t- not, I don't want to be, t- you know, yelling at TikTok. Like, I don't want to become the Gran Torino guy. Get off my lawn. But um, I, I just, I, 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 worry, I worry kind of about, like, is, is technology really, <laughs> is technology better than, than kind of us all crowded in a room watching some B-movie? I don't know. I think it's, it's an open question.
2: No, it's not.
3: Well, in the era of COVID, we shouldn't all crowd around in a small room and watch anything. But COVID aside, yeah, we're definitely missing out on a lot by not, you know, things aren't social gatherings like they used to be. Like you said, movies used to be a social thing, going to get a comic book, going to buy a record. It was a place where people gathered. And now that you can get everything online, we're definitely losing a lot of that.
1: No, absolutely. And, and again, back to the family time, you were mentioning that I was a parent. And I mean, I remember my kids grew up here. I mean, literally, they all worked here. But, you know, even before that, going and watching a movie was super important. And I remember the boys, um, I used to get lots of, you know, their... Um, Child labor laws, Sandy. You know, but I used to bring the kids in here and we would do things around the store and, and clean or do stuff so that they could earn cash to to go and buy snacks when we went to the movie theater. I mean, those are events that my kids will remember forever, and and that was family time. And and I think that there definitely is missing. And again, I referred earlier. Even I have my nose in my phone all the time too. But you know, unfortunately, we are all missing that inner interaction where we can sit in a room and have a conversation about our day and not be checking our emails or checking our phone every five seconds
2: the we talk uh, quite a bit about the smell of blockbuster in the movie <laughs> and uh we asked every single person we interviewed about it and one person out of every single person that we interviewed said did it have a smell And then he goes, "Oh yeah," and that was the furthest away from that was the closest thing to someone not remembering the smell. Everyone else immediately talking about the smell immediately threw them back. Um, It was it was a more three dimensional experience. And now, if people have a memory of the smell of Netflix, it smells like whatever their phone smells like.
1: Or their house—it doesn't smell like stale popcorn, like my store
0: does. <laughs> <laughs> Sandy, do you get a lot of people who are you? Um, in in the film, I loved that the 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 Netflix and chill uh was was kind of mentioned as a thing. But like back in the day, going to like get and rent a movie that was not like that wasn't a straight euphemism for uh sex. You 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 know you rented the movie, you paid for it. Like there was like that that wasn't just money that you're you know, just, just tossing out there with, with hopes of like that people would actually, like you get a lot of people who are there on dates.
1: We do get a lot of people that are here on dates. Not, maybe not as many as we used to get uh, back in the day, but uh, we definitely get people coming in here as couples. Um, It's, it's definitely more families than date night nowadays. Um, But I think that everything is, you know, the last six months, everything is different than what it was. And I'll be curious to see when we come out of this pandemic, what, what our rental, um, renters look like then. Um, but I think we get more families than anything else
0: there was There was an article I saw uh, earlier today in The New Yorker about how Netflix is is engineering a lot of their original content to basically be the, the the thesis of the article was, "Are we in the era of ambient television, basically television designed around the fact that people are staring at their phone the whole time, and I'm just like face palming, like this is the most depressing thing I've ever read not 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 actually, but like
2: <sighs> that's pretty like, sad.
0: Uh, <laughs> Oh man. And yeah, and, and if that out.
2: is the case, it it seems kind of foolish since uh when I want to watch ambient TV, I put on YouTube, not Netflix. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm I'm always aware of the fact this is an audio podcast. We know that people are uh looking, maybe they're they're reading articles about the last blockbuster, maybe they're uh maybe they've got this and they're playing uh Animal where I since Animal Crossing came out, I know a lot of people listen to the show while playing that. Uh, like, like podcasts. Like, this is a great medium to do that <laughs> because you don't have to look at anything. If you're actually looking at, like, and 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 another article I saw was people are angry that they skip over the credits for right, like the they autoplay is just like oh you don't get to see the credits and it's like well I mean. Counter argument to not having to see the credits. I mean, if you're not watching the film to begin with, who do you need to know? <laughs> like, why do you need to know who made it? Yeah, right. <laughs> that's uh, that's that's obviously not a great. Uh, it's a sad commentary on reality. Oh, I mean, I, I'm I'm aware of the fact that uh, our listeners are are kind of the exception of this, but not the rule. But I mean, part of part of what you were doing with with creating this film is and and Sandy, why you know w- w- how so many people have rallied around the store is we recognize that that decisions were made 10 years ago that were outside of our hands and we don't really like the way that they were
1: decided yeah i mean it's a sad a sad reality you know when the customer doesn't get to depict what happens with the business and you know, customers would still be coming into Blockbuster and customers would still be renting movies from us if we could have just found our way around some of the debt that they had. Um, but, you know, you were talking about podcasts earlier, too, and I find it interesting um that my husband and my sons—that's one of the things that they really enjoy and that they discuss a lot—is YouTube and podcasts. And they're doing the same thing where they're playing, whether they're playing a game or their work or their or they're doing whatever. Everybody's always listening to some kind of a podcast on their phone. So good for you for having a, a, such a great program.
0: Thank you. Uh, I mean, in in terms of like, I, I it's, it's, um, I actually, I mean, I'm thinking of, there's a scene in uh, wet hot American summer to, to bring up, uh, which we talked about with Sammy Levine. But when, um, David Hyde Pierce's character goes, he's asked to give a, uh, he's asked to give a science, uh, presentation and he's, he's looking around for the kind of people. And then he asks, you know, where, where are the indoor kids? Um, mm-hmm. and I, I think that kind of the broad internet, uh, like, like you know the the rise of of you know back in the day comic book conventions were like a place for nerds but now like comic con is like the go-to destination of in, in the world and I, I i think about like you know streaming and, and, and all of that is is great for like a lot of reasons but people want the people want to see somebody that they that they you know can connect with in in person and and share this kind of stuff with so i think podcasts are are great in that regard. And the film is just, it's such a great, it did such a great job, uh, laying, laying out like this kind of bygone era. And that's not even like, it's not even bygone for, uh, Ben, because people, you know, your store's live. Well, people will travel from Europe to go to your store. That's so, that's just so amazing.
1: Yeah. It's actually pretty wonderful. And, um, we, I, I say the word fun a lot because that is just exactly what it is, but we are incredibly grateful for all the love and support we get from everyone. Um, it's a great place to be.
0: So what, what, what is it about Ben that, that is uh, is an environment where, you know, you can have a radio shack until just recently that blockbuster <laughs> survives that. So you, you mentioned the <laughs> film, Sam Goody. I can't remember. Like I used to love going in there. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah. And we don't have a Sam Goody. Sorry. I I don't even think that, I don't even think most people even remember what that was. Um, And Radio Shack's definitely been gone for a little while. It's kind of depressing when you look across the street and see that the building's still there. But um, you know, Bend is just a very wonderfully um, it's a beautiful area. People really appreciate what we have. I think that people really love the local aspect of everything. Um, And you know, people often ask me, do we just not have good internet? Is there some problem with Bend? Which is none of the above. We do have good internet here. Really um, fast. Yeah, I think that it's just a testament to the fact that that Bend is a little bit slower, maybe. We tend to enjoy um, being outdoors. We enjoy having a little bit more of a laid-back lifestyle. And we just really appreciate the things that we love. And we're willing to hold on to them for a little bit longer.
2: Well, Sandy won't say it, but... Uh, after three years of making a documentary, I think, uh, Taylor and I are, can say, can get away with having some authority of saying that the reason this blockbuster is still in business is because of Sandy.
3: Yeah. hundred percent. I mean,
0: I, I can, oh, sorry. I tell no, that. it
3: just take somebody with that kind of dedication and just like you were just saying how much fun you have with it and how much joy you know, you don't see that in most retail establishments. You know, the manager is not talking about how much fun it is. That's, no, and it's sincere.
1: I, mean, I love this store. I love the kids that work here. I love the customers, and it's my family. I don't even know what I would ever do um, when the day comes that we have to close our doors because it'll be a very sad day for me. But this is my life. It was my children worked here. You know, my husband comes down. He. Um, uh, we even had a cat that passed away recently that, uh, you know, we got from Blockbuster. I mean, this is our lives. This is our family.
0: I mean, this, this makes me think of, uh, we, we did an episode a couple of months ago with a film that I imagine will, will appeal to very, uh, similar audiences. It's called, uh, Jasper Mall. That was one of my favorites at Slamdance. We had, uh, Bradford and Brett on from that. And, um. You know, we were talking about sort of the the decline of retail because a lot of people don't want it to go away. But we, and, and I mean, your film does, uh, as I mentioned earlier, does like a great job saying like a lot of this, this uh, leveraging and all of that is is beyond everybody's control. But but to a certain extent, like people people need to have an experience when they go in. I mean, I know as as a, a, a couple of years ago when I was early in my my transition, I needed help. I didn't know what to do. I was like an idiot. I was a deer in the headlights. I needed somebody to tell me. So, I mean, with, with, with all of that in mind, uh, you know, to, to see your success, Sandy, uh, I mean, you really are the X factor here.
1: Oh, thank you. And again, I mean, these interviews are wonderful and it, it just makes me remember why I'm here and helps me kind of reflect back to just how much, um, love there is. I mean, I, I don't know how else to say it, but thank you.
0: So, um, uh, as, as we uh, as we start to wrap up I you know this this podcast we cover uh, Disneyland a lot do you think there's any any chance we'll get a blockbuster uh, theme park
2: <laughs> there was one going to be one
0: yeah right that's that's why I asked
1: people ask me all the time if we ever close a store we've got to make it into a museum and I always just kind of tell people well I don't want to ever close the store so I'm not real fond of, of the idea of us being a museum but um, I don't know about a theme park, but, uh, I definitely think, um, you know, having the store here for as long as we possibly can is the best we can do for now.
0: Well, I mean, speaking of museum, you know, you have the, the, a lot of listeners will probably be familiar with the John Oliver. Uh, he sent the, uh, Russell Crowe memorabilia first to Alaska, and then you got some of, uh, uh, some of them, but, um, well, like, do you know where the jockstrap went?
1: Yeah, That's actually weird Russell weird Crowe to ask. Was it. So it's back in Australia.
0: He took his jockstrap back.
1: (laughs) It was a great heist. There was a part two with the John Oliver show that you should look up. uh, Anyway, there was a part two of and They did the great heist. And uh, he managed to get the jockstrap back. Um, But yeah. And and we have other wonderful things in the store. I mean, that's like the most famous things that we have. But, you know, people send me things from all over the world. They send me their blockbuster cards. They send me their old gift cards. They send me T-shirts. We have a whole collection of Highlander memorabilia that someone sent us that their, um, you know, family member had had and passed away and they, and they thought what better place to have it but us. Um, so people send us things that are, are just so wonderful and we appreciate all of it. So I think if it ever came down to the day, we definitely have enough stuff, um, in the store to make a little museum.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, uh, I mean, it's just all the fan support is so, uh, so reassuring. As a film, as somebody who cares deeply about film, that uh, makes me so happy. So, um, last question: uh, We usually ask like a question. I mean, we've talked about the pandemic. It's hard not to talk about the pandemic in, in kind of any of these. But um, w- the um, in, in terms of just the release and all of that, can you talk a, a, a little bit about the um, about how that's kind of uh, made more more difficult? Uh,
2: yeah. So you know, we were going to do. Um... A pretty widespread release to physical indie theaters. We had just handfuls of indie theaters that had approached us wanting very much to show this film. Uh, So we probably would have been in about 50 or 100 indie theaters already playing. um, But, you know, that's... Not going to happen now. Uh, but we do, the other parts of the release plan are still the same. So there's uh, an exclusive, Blockbuster exclusive DVD Blu ray combo that you can get f- from the store if you go in, but also from what's your website, Sandy?
1: Oh, I always say it wrong. Uh, Blockbuster. Oh.
2: <laughs> what is it? Blockbuster Bend?
1: I believe it is. Blockbuster Bend. Yeah. Ryan? So, Blockbuster Bend?
2: so (laughs) none of us none of us are sure Taylor probably knows it's
3: bendblockbuster.com that's it thank you Taylor we will will link to it
2: (laughs) Um, and they've got all kinds of cool stuff but especially cool is our DVD that's on there Uh, that's uh, I think that starts shipping in in a week or two or maybe it already started shipping and then just started shipping it Uh, and then uh, we're doing Uh, iTunes, Amazon, uh, Dish, DirecTV, basically anywhere where you stream, you download, rent, buy, whatever, your digital movies will have it on, I believe, December 15th. Yep. And uh, then people can watch it with their families uh, as long as they are already in the house with their families for Christmas. (laughs)
0: Yes, please, please social distance. Anyway, uh, Sandy, Zeke, Taylor, this has been uh, such a pleasure, and I know I, I uh, we, you know, with with retro and nostalgia being so popular, I, I imagine our listeners will be so excited about this. I've followed the story of, of, of your storm, Ben, for for years, and it's been such a pleasure to have you all on, and this has been so great. So thank you, everybody.
2: Thank you for having us. This was great fun.
0: And uh, we'll, link, we'll link to the film, uh, last blockbuster. Be sure to check it out. This is like especially, more so perhaps in the pandemic era. This is a really, really great way to spend an evening. Or in the middle of the day, if you want to take off from work. Go ahead and do that. That's, uh, <laughs> no one will watch know. It, <laughs> watch it whenever you want. But uh, it's, it's it's really, it's truly, a, it's, it's a must watch for film fans.
1: Well, thank you for having us.
0: And uh, to all of our listeners, thank you for listening. And we will see you next time.